welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most urgent topics in the never dull world of Indiana basketball. This is our 132nd edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 524th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, August 1st, 2019. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Oh, oh, This week's Banner Moment occurred on Monday when grad transfer big man Joey Brunk was awarded the off-season champion's belt, given to the player who makes the biggest improvement in the weight room and in the off-season conditioning program. This is obviously a great sign for what Brunk will be able to bring to the table in Bloomington this season as he embarks on the second chapter of his college basketball career after transferring from Butler. It's a positive indicator for the kind of low-post tear Brunk plans to be during his two years of eligibility at IU, and it's also a positive indicator for the kind of leadership, especially by example, that he can inject into the program, which, as we all know, this program still desperately needs. Last year's Indiana team lacked the physical and mental toughness necessary to grind out wins in the face of health, circumstance, and ice-cold shooting conspiring against it. When Brunk committed, many of us hoped that he would be able to bring a much-needed injection of toughness to the roster, and his consistency and growth this offseason certainly suggest that he has. This kind of offseason dedication is also a great example for his fellow big man Trace Jackson Davis to see on a day-in, day-out basis. There is perhaps no current Hoosier whose growth and development is more essential for the program's future success than Trace's, and freshmen only know what they see. So having an upperclassman like Brunk, a guy Trace knows and respects, set the pace in terms of work ethic will surely help push Trace to raise his level as well. And to be clear, it's not just Joey Brunk having a great offseason. We've seen clips of Jerome Hunter working out back at home in Ohio. Al Durham was spotted on Wednesday getting running and shots up before his evening workout back home in Atlanta. And contrary to how it feels sometimes, things do actually happen that aren't captured on social media. And we've all heard positive whispers about the work that guys like Rob Finnessy, Demise Anderson, Armand Franklin, Devontae Green, and others are getting in. So sure, someone had to win the offseason workout award, and I'm sure I could have shoehorned any of them into being a meaningful banner moment. I do it every offseason. But I also think there are reasons to be especially encouraged that Joey Brunk was the guy to win it. It's easy to look at his stats from Butler, not be blown away, and then downplay the type of impact he might have on the program. But for a coach in Archie Miller who is still trying to establish an identity of toughness and a grinded-out work ethic, he has to be feeling really good about the positive imprint Joey Brunk is already having on the program. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, he is the Zach Taylor of Girls U Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and one of the world's most trusted bracketologists, and he also just celebrated his birthday. So here are some birthday wishes from the President Emeritus of the Andy Bottoms fan club. To the man himself, Andy Bottoms, happy birthday. Hope you have a great one. Enjoy it and live it up. Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball? Well, I'm uh, glad to be back on the show after uh, being on vacation. So I had a good vacation and uh, just missed Ryan so much. So I had to go see him in person out in San Diego as it happens. A, a feeling that I'm sure many of our listeners can uh, can sympathize with. Uh, but, uh, it, it, you know, kind of glad to be back in a week that, that there's actually some stuff to talk about, as we discussed before we went on the air. And and to me, it really has to be the Trey Galloway commitment, uh, which hopefully 
uh, is the first of some additional dominoes to fall at the very least a good first uh, first domino to fall how quickly anything else happens from here always remains to be seen but uh, I think it's a guy that people can get pretty easy to get excited about. Uh, you really start to see, as we have in these last couple classes, like the kinds of guys that Archie is really looking for, uh, the characteristics, uh, not necessarily basketball skill-wise, but just in terms of mentality uh, and, and some of those things, the defensive versatility that uh, that he should be able to bring. And, and again, a guy that feels like he could be a really good foundational player, a, a four-year guy, in all uh, in all likelihood, barring something unforeseen, and, and a guy who can really you know set the tone from a, a mentality standpoint, and and all the things that you hear from high school coaches and everybody else uh, thinks that he'll really be able to bring a lot to the table immediately. Maybe not score a whole bunch, but I think do a lot of little things that people are going to like. Uh, and so again, hopefully, it's the first of many commitments that we can talk about, but an exciting one uh, that we'll talk about more on the show for sure. But that to me was the uh, the biggest news uh, that we've gone through so far. And to my right, he is a senior writer at the Big Lead, an aspiring but still currently unemployed shot doctor, and the man behind the curiously verified Twitter account Rumors and Rants, an account that once provided an insightful cornucopia of sports observations and news, but that has now devolved into little more than Fernando Tatis Jr. erotic fan fiction. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant on the last week in IU basketball? You're just jealous, White Sox fan. Uh, no, I think that, uh, by the way, thank you, as always, to the White Sox fan in the room. Um, you said that last time you were on. I know. I know. For the next 20 years, I thank you every every day. Um, yeah, I think it's the Trey Galloway commitment is, is what you've got to talk about. And, and it's not so much that you get Trey Galloway. It's that you finally sort of broke the seal on that uh, that recruiting class and you hope that things start to come a little bit faster because once you get a guy in, you know, he's recruiting his friends. He's trying to get other guys in there. And when you have somebody in the recruiting class recruiting you, it has more force than the coaches recruiting you or the team recruiting you. This is a guy who can convince you, Hey, I went here and this is why I went there. This is what I see. This is why you should come join me. Uh, and it can create sort of an excitement around the recruiting class and sort of bond them as a unit. And, uh, we've seen that happen before. Um, to good effect, to bad effect, whatever. But I think that, that that typically it winds up being a positive. It bonds guys together, brings them in together. And I think that we have a couple ideas of who the next guys to to maybe you know break through and commit are going to be. And I think Trey Galloway is going to have something to do with that. Um, I think that he's going to be able to uh, to maybe help out in bringing some of those guys across the finish line. So uh, really a, a good thing to see that you, they get that done before the school year starts, get that locked in, and hopefully have some more to follow uh, in the next couple of weeks. All right. So this week, we're going to run through a few Hoosier headlines. There were some this week. Feels like we've had a few weeks without some headlines, but uh, we have some. We'll talk about those. Uh, Jared, then- I, hate, I hate to interrupt. I, w- I want to give a thanks real quick that I forgot to in my little segment there. I want to thank Chris from... Um, uh, who's your IU artifacts our good buddy. He sent me uh, this ticket from the Duke game from November uh, 30th, 2005. I'm not sure if I've told you guys what happened in that game, but I really appreciate it, Chris. I wanted to not forget that and get lost in the show. Also, IU artifacts also, was on the show did, last week. Also, you did not hate to interrupt. I mean, let's not. Yeah. You need to stop saying anybody. that. It's the most got, disingenuous yeah. thing that's ever said it's on such, this show. It's such a fake, fake thing that I say, but I got to do it every time. Yeah, just, just jump in. Save us all time. Just all like right. so with thank all due you. respect before you insult someone. It's pretty much, pretty much <laughs> what you're doing right there. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. 
Uh, okay, then we're going to do Ryan's been watching tape. We're going to do the Trey Galloway scouting report, talk about his strengths and weaknesses, how those will translate to the college level. And then finally, we will answer as many of your questions as we get to. We got some good ones, so I hope we have a lot of time to get to those. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to all that, a quick word from this week's sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big, they feel like they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. Not SeatGeek. SeatGeek cares desperately about the satisfaction of their customers, which is why a quick glance at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. Why? Because SeatGeek delivers a better process for buying tickets. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, and then they rate each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. And the user interface communicates it all clearly by displaying tickets on an interactive seat map so you can see right where they are, and by using a color-coded system for value. Green dots mean good deals, red dots are overpriced, and every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone it's the easiest, the fastest way to shop for tickets. It's what my wife and I use you know, during the basketball offseason when we're going to baseball games or concerts. I definitely suggest that you check it out as well. Get a brother, get some coupons. Of course. Best of all, SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today and use the promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. All right, gents. So who's your headlines this week? Still no assistant coach. So we continue to await that position being filled. Uh, Dustin Dupirak had a great feature on Rob Finnessy in The Athletic, uh, which everybody should go check out about, you know, Rob Finnessy really preparing this offseason to be a leader, to be more of a vocal leader. Some great detail in there. Uh, good quotes from Rob and uh, Bruiser Flint. Juwan Morgan signed by the Utah Jazz uh, to a, a contract, which we'll get to. Uh, and then, of course, I talked about Joey Brunk being named offseason workout champion, Trey Galloway committing. And there was an offer to a 2021 guard, Blake Wesley, that kind of intrigued me. And I don't usually get too excited about offers, especially that far out. But for in-state guys, I think it's a little bit more meaningful. And he's a guy that I'm pretty high on, I think has a lot of potential. So definitely a recruitment to track. Uh, and certainly uh, he's been on campus before uh, and he will uh, be on campus again. Uh, but Andy, of those, uh, which one really stood out to you uh, the most? Uh, since you, we talked about some of the others, I think the, uh, the fantasy one was, was interesting and just kind of, you know, Dustin told the story of how, a a, a song lyric that, uh, fantasy quoted got interpreted a certain way by IU fans in terms of him really taking over a leadership role, but also which is some, hilarious by the way, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, but had some good quotes from Bruiser Flint about, um, kind of about asking Rob to take on that, that more leadership role and that he had really always been a, a lead by example type guy. And in high school, everyone would just follow him anyway, because everything really revolved around him. And so some of the things that, that Archie's been talking to him about doing it, being more vocal uh, and being a guy that, that takes on more of a leadership role from the point guard position, which is a you know, kind of natural position uh, of leadership. So I thought that was interesting and, um, you know, some good perspective on just, you know, his personality a little bit and, uh, and, and what to look forward to from him. And the other thing it really hit on was the concussion and, and what that really, yeah. how that really impacted him. I think it, it's one of those things where everybody speculated during the course of time when he wasn't playing as well. And when he was trying to come back from that, that that was a factor. Um, and, and it was, eye-opening in some ways to really hear how Rob talked about, uh, you know, what that, what that was and, and how that impacted him and how it really slowed things down for him in a way that was, was really hard to come back from, especially in the beginning, in the middle of the season. Uh, and maybe it wasn't Rob that talked about it, maybe it was Bruiser, but, um, 
I think it was both actually. And uh, so I thought that was that was interesting. And the Juwan news was cool for uh, we were talking about this before we went on, all trying to figure out what an Exhibit Ten contract is. Essentially, uh, as best we can tell, uh, you know, means he's invited to training camp and he'll get some kind of bonus if he winds up on the on the G League team and could get placed there, which uh, seems like the most likely outcome of that. But I think a good thing of uh, basically says what they, you know, they like what they saw of him. I think especially on defense, uh, one of the things I read said that they were, uh, you know, intrigued by his ability to guard different positions and that really was uh, a big help in him landing that spot. So uh, awesome to see for him, a guy that we all uh, have enjoyed. And so be able to, you know, kind of keep an eye on him in, in training camp as they go and see where he ends up. I'm just going to pretend Exhibit 10 is something that he offered and basically said, if I can get another 10, 10, 10, triple double, you have to put me on the team because <laughs> he can do it. We've seen it. Sure, Jared. But by the way, the Getting back to the Rob Finnessy article, the the anecdotes about the memory loss that he had, especially the short term memory loss, was harrowing. I mean, you know, look, we all know that concussions are serious business, but especially for a guy that young, you know, to be experienced and stuff like that. I mean, that is, you know, beyond basketball. It's just scary stuff. So, you know, it sounds like he's made a full recovery and, and hopefully there's, you know, no lingering effects of that. But it's scary reading that. And I also want to say, Dustin Depirak, you know, good friend of the show. He's been putting out some really good stuff at The Athletic. I feel like he's yes. always been good. I think he's taken it up another level. I, I know agree. I've had this conversation with a few people. You know, I had some issues with The Athletic when I first signed up with them just because, you know, I didn't think they handled a couple things very well. And I canceled a my subscription. Handle something well. Yeah, I know. I know. I, but, you know, I had to get my subscription back because it's just too much good content. And so if you're on the fence about going there, um, they've got my recommendation. And a big part of that is the work Dustin's doing. So keep uh, it up, Dustin. Yeah. I, I wanted to mention, I think Dustin, I, I've followed Dustin's work for a long time. We were, co- we were, you know, sort of, I would say colleagues because we worked at different papers, but at the same time covering the same stuff. And he's always been really good. I agree with you. I think his stuff at The Athletic has been a step above. I think he's been fantastic uh, there. He also went off and did other things and kind of grew and then came back to Indiana and has done really well. So. I, I can't recommend uh, if you. I, I'd buy it just for him and some of the other people writing about college basketball alone. It's it's a great site. Uh, I, I, before I get away, the, the big lead does a great job covering college basketball. <laughs> Plug us in, but no, it, it's uh, it's really it, his stuff was really good, and I thought that the Rob article uh, was was fantastic as well. And and you know some of the stuff about the concussion was scary, and, and it really I remember I could we tried to sort of without saying it, tell people when they were, he and when Rob and, um, and, and, uh, race race, but I was going to say, and other guys kind of go through this kind of thing. You have to always be super cautious because of the issues that can come up. And, you know, I remember hearing people say like, Hey, football players are back after a week after a concussion. Well, the chances are they're being rushed back because they're being told they're going to lose their spot if they don't play. And there's a, you know, this, ridiculous fake masculinity stuff about being able to overcome it when it deals with a head injury you've got to be you've got to be careful and that was the worst narrative of last season it was, it was terrible and it drove me nuts because anybody who knows anything about the science of concussions and the information's out there folks read it for yourself you have to be careful with that stuff and also it's not even just about the stuff you're going through if you're not fully healed the chances are the chances that you'll get another one and make it even worse and have it be a six month thing as opposed to a six week thing are exponentially higher. And that's why they take so long to come back from them. And they should. And and I'd rather lose Rob for a couple weeks during his freshman season than lose him for a year. 
And, and, and I think that we all have to realize that moving forward, the science of concussions and the way that guys are treated with concussions in every sport, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, even is starting to deal with it. it, it it's going to change. And then, and the way they treat these guys going to change and the way that they treated race and Rob is that's the future of how people are going to deal with concussions in sports, maybe not football, but the other ones for sure. By the way, you know, comment in our chat, didn't realize Rob's injury was that serious. Yeah. And that's why these articles coming out are important. And that's why giving access to the players so they can tell their story and let you in a little bit is important because I think it's important for fans to understand how serious that was to kind of understand why last season went like it did, especially from his perspective. So I'm glad that they gave that access. I'm glad the article was out there. Um, you know, and most of all, I'm glad that Rob seems to be doing better and seems to be really embracing the leadership role because he's he's going to have to, you know, he's going to have to do a lot this year. He's going to have the ball in his hands and there's, you know, aren't clear guys to step up as leaders. It's his for the taking. And it really sounds like that's who Archie wants to take it. Any other thoughts on the headlines, Andy, that you want to get to before we move on? No, I think we hit the uh, hit the big parts. We got to get everybody to the scouting report from Ryan. Got to give the people what they want. We They've can't wait for it all off season. I know. I know. <laughs> first all right. one. All right. Coming up on the assembly call, it is time for our first off season scouting report. Ryan has been pouring over the tape. He's ready to break down Trey Galloway's strengths and weaknesses and how they project to the college level and scoff at all my uh, player comps. Stick with us here on the assembly call. Carson Edwards here, and um, even though I'm teammates with Romeo Langford, I'm still never going to listen to the Assembly Call, but go Celtics. Thanks, I think, Carson. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in our unedited live broadcast, or at least the live chats during our unedited live broadcast, or watch those replays, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and guys, we have a commitment. And you know what that means. It means Ryan watched the tape, has our scouting report ready. And so we, you know, we love to do these segments to really, you know, try and give you guys as detailed a scouting report as we can uh, of these players. Sometimes we've seen the players play live. Most of the time it's, you know, really more about, you know, watching them on film. Um, but with that said, Brian, this is what people have been waiting for. And finally, now they're going to get this has to be the latest end of the offseason that we've done one of these. Probably. Yeah. Over over the last couple of years, I would think so. Um so Trey Galloway, six foot four, I'd say about 180. He's listed at 200, but that's not, there's no way just looking at him. He's probably about 180. Uh, the 24-7 composite has him ranked in the 170s. I'd put him... Uh, and well, 24-7 20, has him 121. Has Yeah, and that's, I would put far more stock in what 24-7 has to say than any of the other... I think uh, they've updated most recently too. Well, and also their their rankings are just more reflective. I'm sorry. They always have been. ESPNs are completely yeah. moronic. Uh, Scout and and Rivals and all the, uh, the other ones, I just don't even pay attention more. I stick with 24-7. Um, but it, so with Trey, uh, Cover Academies won a state title in 2018, lost in the finals last year. Uh, really wants to. He, I mean, he's said in every interview that his goal is to win one this year. I like hearing that from a guy. It's about. It's not about just about getting better. It's not about college. It's not about recruiting. It's about he wants to win that state title. Appreciate that attitude. 
just from the start, he's a very well-rounded player. I think, I think there's, he can do pretty much everything on the court. Uh, but I will say, mm, I, I, I mean, there are some negatives to his game that are going to come and that he has to work through. Uh, first thing, I think he's an average athlete. I don't think he's a great athlete. Um, I, let me finish Jared before you dive in. Um, the podcast he, listeners can't see my faces. He needs to get quicker. He needs to get stronger. Uh, stronger is something that all kids going into college have to have to get. But he needs to get quicker. His first step is incredibly slow for a guard. Um, he kind of just glides into his first step. There's no real burst uh, when he's going to the hoop. Um, I, I think that his his vertical has improved. You've seen it improve in his in his in his film. If you watch him going back to sophomore year through now, he's definitely getting more athletic and unlocking his athleticism more. Um, when he wants to get up, he can, but usually he only does that when there's nobody in front of him. He doesn't use his athleticism to get to the rim unless there's nobody in front of him. He's not going to dunk over somebody. He'll he'll lay it in around them and things like that, and he gets crafty with the ball. But he's not a guy who is going to go up and over people. Um, I think that there's more there. I think he's got, he might have some springy athleticism to him that has not come out yet. Um, I think he's a, a willing finisher. He will attack the basket against anybody uh, and, and he's aggressive with it. He can finish in traffic. It's usually a soft finish though. It's not a strong finish. It's he goes around people. Um, as I said, he gets crafty with the ball around the hoop, which is a, which is good. He knows how to get the ball in the basket, but he's not going up strong into people and making them react to him. Um, I, I, I do think he probably needs to get a little bit stronger with his finishing because that craftiness it can work one-on-one, but when you're in college basketball, there's a second guy coming from behind to block your shot at almost all times. So he needs to get more aggressive, more you know, strong with his finishing. Um, the one thing that stood out to me is I think he's a phenomenal passer. That, that stood out above anything. His court vision is outstanding. He's an excellent passer. Even when he has an open shot, he'll pass the ball to a guy who has a better one. He is really good at figuring that out, and he's willing to just give the ball up Without he's not deferring to other people and get, passing up wide open shots to get there, but he's moving the ball. He's willing to move the ball and willing to. He also realizes, which a lot of guys don't, is that if you move the ball, you'll get it back. And and so he's willing to get other people involved. And then his long uh, his his outlet passes are fantastic. He's really good at cro- spotting guys with those skip passes across the court, um, and and always willing to get the ball into the uh, into the paint. If a guy's like back cutting or open, he'll find him. Um, okay, the, the shooting is the big thing. I know everybody wants to know about because he's a shooting guard, and that's the one thing I use uh, needs. I think he's a decent three point shooter, but I do think he needs some work. I think that uh, he fades away on his shot a lot. He doesn't hold his finish uh, a lot, you know, on his follow through. I think that. Uh, um, I, say think, <laughs> I think that, that, yeah, he fades away, leans his body back. His feet will move forward, which you're supposed to do, but he leans back. Doesn't always square himself. His release can get a little ugly uh, on it, on the finish there. And I think that his left hand is involved too much in his shot as, as it is. Uh, it, it, and, and I think he just needs to be more right hand dominant with his shot. Uh, those are all things that can be fixed. Bottom line is the shot goes in. So it's about just tweaking those little problems that are in it that that maybe make it a, 
a little bit inconsistent. Um, he also needs to get up a little more on his jump when he shoots. I think there's just, there's a lot of, he just kind of puts it up quickly as opposed to put, you know, following through setting himself and, and getting squared to the basket. Can we, uh, can we pause for a second on the shooting? Sure, sure. So one thing that I wanted to mention about the shooting, cause there has been a lot of concern about that. And, you know, to a certain extent, rightfully so. I do think one of the reasons he dropped in the rankings, you know, last year is he was dealing with a wrist injury mm-hmm. and it really seemed to affect things. So if you look at his numbers, his freshman year, he shot 38% from three on 61 attempts. His sophomore year, 36% on 133 attempts. As a junior, 27%. Yeah. Free throw shooting, it was similar 71%, 70, 58. His two point, you know, shooting was 66, 65, 64. It was all, you know, pretty much the same, but you can tell the shooting really dropped and he shot it better this summer. He was back up yes. in the mid 30s again. So I think it's pretty it's fair to say, okay, that the wrist probably had something to do with that and he's better than the reason why he dropped in the rankings. That right. should assuage and, and some concerns. I, when I'm looking at his shot too, I'm looking at the shot, not necessarily the results because the results don't always tell you something. Demise Anderson made a lot of three pointers. His shot was a train wreck and we talked about that before last year that he needed to rework his shot and when he played as a freshman it was clear he needed to rework things um what what i think about galloway's shot is it has gotten better the form has gotten better now it's not perfect and but you want to see progression from a player willing to fix the you know tweak the things that are wrong and fix them as it goes along um I, but so I'm not worried about the shot long term. I'm just giving you the the points right here that need to be fixed. And I think that that the follow through is an issue. Um, he he sometimes just kind of like throws it up there and pulls his arm back instead of you know holding it uh, where it needs to be. I think that it, the left hand is a little bit too much involved in that shot. When if you want a pure shot, you've got to really be focused on your dominant hand. Uh, it, it was interesting. I don't know if you saw this, but Jeff Rabjohns had some great quotes from Trey's dad. And basically, one of the things Trey's dad said is he needs to get in the gym and work on a shot more. <laughs> like Essentially, he's just got to spend yeah. more time getting shots up. And look, a guy who is not a dominant athlete and is not going to just have a quick first step drive by people and dunk needs to work on a shot. And I'm sure Trey Galloway would tell you that. I mean, you know, I mean, it's it's not a mystery what he is being brought in to do. Um, he's going to be a guy who's going to move the ball on offense, who's going to find open guys. He's got a decent handle considering he doesn't have a great first step or, or any of that. He's, he's pretty good uh, at, at controlling the ball when he does have it. And then the last thing I have on here is his defense. And I think he's an incredibly smart defender. I think that he's a willing defender, which A, is the big thing, is that Romeo Langford wasn't a great defender in high school, but he was willing. When he when when it was time to step up, he was willing to defend. Trey Galloway is a he's he's a willing defender. He's smart. He's always in the right spot. He's disciplined with his feet and doesn't bite for head fakes. And then he's got really quick hands and he, and good timing with them too. So I, I I think that you're looking at a guy who does a lot of good things. There are gaps in his game. You're not getting a guy who's going to step on the court as a freshman and dominate. That's that's just not who you're getting with this. But you're getting a really good player. The kind of player you need to win in the Big Ten is a guy who can step out there, not hurt you in any area, and then do some things that can really help you. Um, the shooting is the thing that needs to be worked on. Um, and, and, and he also needs, you know, to work on his athleticism. There, there are things you can do to make yourself a little bit more athletic, a little quicker, all that stuff. And I think that that's something we'll see get unlocked a little bit when he gets on campus. But if you're looking top to bottom, this is a guy who does a lot of things well on a basketball court. This is the kind of guy who helps you win games. He's the kind of guy that IU gets killed by sometimes. You'll, you'll notice, you'll be like, I haven't even heard of this guy. And he'll come out 
and make some plays that help win games. And I think that he's a guy who does that. He makes plays that help you win games. He's a smart player, good court vision. And, uh, you know, there, there are some things that need to be better. And that's why he's not, you know, but again, every guy who's not a five star and who's not in the top 30 needs to work on some things. And so I'm not trying to be negative about Trey. I'm just saying, I think there's some things in there that, that need to get cleaned up and need to get worked on. And, and the shots, one of them, you, you need this guy, Trey Galloway needs to be able to hit threes consistently to be a good player at Indiana. He can, he can do a lot of things on the court, but if you want this guy to be a really impactful player, he needs to be able to knock down threes. So I, I would agree with you. I think that's the thing he needs to work on. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all on record though. We're really happy with this with this pickup. You know, I think he's going to be yeah, exactly the kind pickup. of guy that is going to help build the foundation Archie Miller wants to build of smart basketball players, skilled basketball players, tough, hard nosed winners. And you know, obviously, you have to bring some skill to the table, and he does. And it's interesting, you know, Andy, that you know, as Ryan went through that, and that's a really good scouting report. You know, you mentioned defense almost in passing at the end for like thirty seconds, and I, you know, that's a kind of a harder thing to scout on a lot of the you know the tape that's available but it may be his greatest strength and you know clearly we know how important that is to Archie and I think for him when it comes to being able to come in and contribute early in his career his just defensive instincts and defensive willingness and toughness on that end that's what's going to get him on the court and then obviously if he can you know make shots and do some of the things you talked about offensively Ryan that's what'll keep him there but I'm really high on him as a four-year player who's really going to do a for lot sure. of good things for Indiana I'd agree yeah, I think I think dependent upon you know what what happens otherwise with the roster next year, you you can see a scenario where the things that you need him to do immediately are the things that he's best at. So being able to defend multiple positions, just coming out playing playing hard, being competitive, like those are things that he'll be able to do right away. He's not going to be asked to to score when you think about for the most part who's going to who you'd expect to be around. Uh, when he steps onto campus, so I think it does give him a little bit of runway to you know build up to what he can be without having a ton of pressure to walk in the door immediately and uh, and play a ton of minutes. But yeah, I mean, I think the, it seems like the the words that you hear over and over about him are just tough and competitive, and um, you know you add those things with the defense, and it, it's not hard to see why uh, Archie was intrigued by him, and uh, I, I think those are also the things that are going to motivate him to get better. Uh, and to work on the things that he needs to work on. So uh, I think we'll be a, a really good guy from a, a leadership perspective and, uh, and and all those things as well. So I, I think it's a good good pickup. Uh, like Ryan said, anybody outside of the top 30, probably even maybe even the top 20 uh, or lower than that, you're going to be able to, to poke holes in their game and figure out things that they don't do well. Um, but I think he has a lot of varied skills and, and will be able to contribute in a lot of different ways. Ryan, something I don't know if you mentioned, if you did, I apologize, but something that really jumped out to me watching him is his cutting. He is a hard cutter. I mean, he cuts hard and he's smart. And it's been a while since we've had somebody like that, you know, but that, that, that really jumped out to me. I mean, he he creates scoring opportunities because he's smart at recognizing the angles, recognizing where the defense is and putting himself in a good position. Yeah. And he's a guy who he does, he creates opportunities with his IQ and the basketball IQ. It isn't just that he cuts hard. He notices when his defender is not looking and then cuts. Yeah. And, and it's not just he's a coach's cut. kid. It's ti- Yeah. And it's timing the cut. And, and it's, it, there's so much that goes into that, but it's, it's a really big part of it has nothing to do with athleticism, how hard you, I mean, you want to cut hard because it puts, puts pressure on the defense, but it's knowing when to make your move. And, and that is, is what he's great at. He's very good at finessing other guys into, bad spots and then getting to where he needs to get to. Um, 
I, I, I think that, again, as I watch this, <clears throat> the first step is key, though, and that counts on cutting, that counts off the dribble, whatever. He kind of glides through his cut. And, and yeah, he'll get there fast, and he'll get his momentum going and get there, uh, but he kind of is battling himself a little bit. He needs to get that first step to be quicker and have a burst because imagine how much better it would be if you have that IQ and you can get there faster. It's It's just... And again, Cliff Marshall, that's what he does. He, he unlocks that kind of stuff with guys. And I think that that's going to be really key uh, to get him to the next level. If he can be just a little bit quicker, I think that it'll really change his game. Yeah, you know, and one thing I would say in some of the recent video I've watched of him, I know you said he needs to get better as, as a finisher and with the athleticism. And I do think that's true. And I think there's some of the craftiness and scoop shots that work in high school, he's going to have to you know, transition to that because they're not going to work as well in college. But I think he has gotten a little bit better as a finisher in some of the recent film of watching him. Like he seemed much more able to get out on the break, break to go over people a few times and dunk. So I think to your point, his athleticism has improved. And if it can it continue, you know, that and, and that's Vertical why it's like, definitely gone up a little bit. It's It's definitely gone up. And that's also just growing into your body and getting yeah. a little more athletic. I think he's got longer arms than than it looks like on tape. And so I think when he does do those dunks on the break, it I think it works now, but I'm not sure it's going to work at the next level yeah. to be able to go up against somebody and dunk on him. And and that's really what I'm considering when I look at this. And yeah, when he's on the break by himself, he'll do it. He'll, he'll go up and and show some vertical, but I don't think right now he's got the confidence to go up over a college player and dunk. And so I think that it's something that needs to keep coming. When I watch him, watch the way he moves, watch the way he jumps, watch the way he just is on the court. I see an average athlete, a de- you know, decent average is, is fine, but for the way he plays a little bit, I'd like to see him take that, take a little bit of a next step to the next level. And that, that's why, you know, you hear one of the player comps you hear for him is Will Sheehy. And I think there's some of that, but the athleticism is not Will Sheehy level, obviously. No, but, you know, some of the cutting, the recognition, some of those things you see. I think another saw defense, things like that. Yeah, yeah. I think another good player comp is Jordan Holes, not because they play the same style, but in terms of guys doing the little things, holes in their game, but able to overcome them with intelligence and with skill level. There's a little bit there. And, you know, a good friend of the show, Sam Story, uh, you know, who knows Trey really well, his player comp form is Drew Crawford from Northwestern, if you remember Drew Crawford from back in the day. Um, which, you know, is kind of an interesting one. Um, but, you know, a smart, heady player that just does a lot of things well, and like you said, is going to help you win. Here, here's the thing I will say about about Trey Galloway, and uh, in one way, I'm going to compare him to Rob Finnessy, and this is why. He's a guy who has a chance to get a whole lot better his senior year the way Rob Finnessy did. And, and, and that's as far as where he needs to go, as far as getting better and expanding his game that's the model he needs to to follow because Rob Finnessy was quick and a good finisher his his junior year. He became a f- complete basketball player his senior year of high school. That's what Trey Galloway needs to do. And so that's the guy he should model. Whatever he's doing right now, he needs to model after that the way that Rob was able to grow in his senior year. Wow. Player comp from Ryan. Andy, do you have any, uh, any player comps or final thoughts on Trey? No, uh, no, no player comps. But I, I do think he has... Uh, you know, based on his size, we talked about the defense. So I, I kind of sit points aside, at least initially, and he's got good enough size to rebound. We talk about guard rebounding a lot. Uh, I think he'll be able to contribute in that area. Talked about defense. Ryan talked about what a good passer he is. So he, he definitely feels to me like a guy who will be able to step in more immediately and contribute some of the little things and uh, and do that and ideally grow into more of a, a guy that you count on to score. But 
again, I think those are the kinds of guys that you, you need. We can run down various other Big Ten rosters and point out guys who didn't put a lot of points on the board, but uh, you know, killed you with other things that they did. And uh, so I think that's what's intriguing about him. And I do think there's a lot of room for growth, as Ryan talked about, as he gets better. And and it just strikes me as a kid who uh, is really motivated to get better at those things and and to uh, and and to be a winner. And so, uh, you know, all, all first impressions are good typically in this kind of scenario, but, uh, I, I do think he's got the right, you know, the right makeup, the right attitude and, uh, and be a good get. And certainly sounds like he's, uh, on his way to, you know, trying to recruit some other guys to come with him and join him. And, uh, and I think we'll be a good ambassador for the program as well in that regard. One last player comp, poor man's Ty Jerome, perhaps. You just couldn't, you just couldn't even that's help not, yourself. That's not, okay. That's not a bad player comp. That's not bad. I mean, obviously, he can't shoot like Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome was a top 40 recruit. Like, that's why I said a poor man's Ty Jerome. But he does a lot of the little things. Tough physical defender, plays better, you know, a better athlete than you think. I'm sticking with that one. It's a decent player comp. Um, I, I do want to end with this. We got a good question from JD. He said, how on earth can anyone make sense of player rankings outside the top 50? It seems like the difference between 50 and 200 isn't a lot. And this is a good point. It's not. And one of the most important things when you get outside of that is fit where you go as a player. And that's why that's why I like this, because I think Trey really fits like, you know, just just like, you know, to to further your, you know, your comp with Rob, you know, Rob was such a perfect fit with Archie. And I think those guys are going to work really well together. And I think Trey is the same way, you know, just, you know, a coach's son, like they've got that in common, loves basketball, a tough physical defender. Like, I just think. You know, like like you can see with a guy like Devontae Green where it just it feels like it's there's just kind of constant tension there. I don't feel like you'll have that. I think you'll have a player and a coach that are on the same page more from day one. And the more of those guys that you can get, the better off you're going to be overall as a team. And that's what, when you get there, you know, after 50, everybody's got holes. Everybody's got things they've got to work on. What's the right fit? And who of those guys is getting into the best player development program and is the most committed to being better? Those are the guys from 50 to 200 that are going to be successful. Yeah, and and I think really when you're looking at 50 to 200 on these lists, a lot of it comes down to preference of the evaluator. I mean, these guys, I mean, you think about how many basketball players are in this country. Well, this guy's better at this than that guy, but he's worse at this. I mean, that's what you're coming down to. The top 10 is usually pretty obvious. You could watch film and come up with the top 10. And it's probably going to be identical to theirs. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, just, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to take that as an insult. I, no, I, I meant you, the general, you, the, the population. Uh, you, you could watch it all and compare everybody to Ty Jerome, and then we just move on. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Only <laughs> the best. Only the best. <laughs> so I, I think that that's that, you know, but after that, you get to these lower levels, and a lot of it is just feel and, and preference for guys. It really is. And then you also have to look at guys and they rank guys based on projection as well. Like this guy's a center who can barely walk, but in two years, he's going to be really good. You know, I mean, it's, I think it, I've actually read that scouting report before. I probably wrote it. Um, but it's, it is, it's just, it's a lot of it is preference. And a lot of it is you saw him on a, in person on a good day. And then he went into the tank and you didn't see those games but you saw some video where he did this or this, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it isn't, it isn't an exact science. So I think that a lot of the personal evaluation by the coaches goes a long way. And that's how you get guys like a Victor Oladipo who had a couple of really good games when Tom Crean was there to see him. And that's the only reason that he wound up at IU. Yep. 
Okay, coming up in our third and final segment, we're going to answer your questions, including an interesting solution to Indiana's recent concussion problem that we talked a little bit about before, the off-season schedule, and a fun little hypothetical that pits host against host. We always enjoy those. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason, and then after every game, we send out a detailed postgame analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Time now for the mailbag. All these questions were submitted in our private IU basketball community, which you can learn about at assemblycall.com slash community. So we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I want to give credit to Jeff who sent this question and he says, don't know if it's too late, but I was thinking about the two concussions that derailed our season last year, Rob and race and wondering why not wear helmets in basketball? They wouldn't have to be full on football style helmets, but something to keep a straight elbow from ending a season. It would look weird for a while. Then everybody would get used to it. They didn't always wear helmets in hockey and we're certainly used to seeing hockey players in helmets. I'm up for trying it. You yeah, I, th- I think as we as we mentioned, this, the the soft helmets that they have, uh, maybe you'd have to as a, as I said earlier, you'd have to have some breathable material, or it would have to be in like a a bike helmet with some open patches in it. Uh, but yeah, they'd have to make it so it wasn't you know you weren't encumbered as you're shooting or, or doing things like that. Uh, but I, I don't see any reason that we're not going to eventually see that because I think the concussions are going to become a huge part of the game as guys get bigger, stronger, run into each other, fall. You're seeing guys hit their head now uh, on the court. You know, that used to be just, oh, shake it off. Now it's you get taken out of the game, get taken to the locker room, you go through a concussion protocol, you might be out weeks. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to see it in the NBA anytime soon, but I think we could certainly start seeing it in high school or younger pretty soon. And once it starts there, it filters up once kids are used to it. And and so the hockey helmet point is great. Everyone thought it was crazy when the first goalie wore a mask and when the first hockey player put a helmet on. Uh, but eventually that became the standard because it's obvious you need some kind of protection. I'm, you know, clearly basketball and hockey are not the same sport, but there has been a lot of contact and a lot of concussions over the last few years that have been pretty serious. And at some point, you know, protect the heads. I think it's eventually going to start to come around and people are going to talk about it. Yeah. You're seeing it. I mean, you're seeing it more in soccer. I know a couple of the guys in the chat brought it up. Um, and, and there's some, be some nasty collisions. Those at FC Cincinnati game we went to about a month or so ago. I mean, the goalie just got rocked. Somebody coming in, uh, you know, coming in, making a run. And so, um, I think you can see it. And I think that's the kind of style that you would look for. I think to Ryan's point, there'd probably be some modifications you want to make. You certainly don't want to limit your peripheral vision and, and some of those kinds of things. But I, I do think there's at least that might be the starting model and then trying to figure it out. And, um, yeah, just takes a couple of people trying to do it to, uh, you know, to try to, to figure it out. I mean, if it's worth that to you, then you don't really care uh, all that much what it looks like and you kind of get over that stuff eventually. 
Uh, Rick says, what is the first official day that uh, official practices can begin? And what are the players and coaches allowed to do in between now and then? And when can we expect a full schedule release? So I looked last year's schedule was announced on August 21st. Oh, uh, they could do it on my birthday this year if they yeah. want. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have a lot of it. So, you know, I, I would anticipate it getting done a little bit before then, but that's when it happened last year. Uh, the season begins November 5th. Practices begin in late September. And for the off season, guys can obviously do weight training and conditioning but they're not allowed to do any type of conditioning that simulates basketball stuff. So like you couldn't do shell drill for conditioning, you know, it can't, you know, or nothing with a ball in your hand for conditioning. It has to be, you know, non basketball stuff. They do get two hours per week of instruction with no more than four players at a time where coaches can be there. And then obviously they can do any workouts they initiate themselves. They can be a call 24 hours a day if they want to be, but coaches can't be there with them. Yeah, so that, that was the, this was the time period when we got the Victor Oladipo stories about him just working out on his own all the time. So that's in this stretch too. It was most of the summer, but specifically at this time, because people were on campus like, Victor, where are you going? And he was doing all those legendary couple hours long workouts, then going to class, then lifting, then doing more workouts. And so that, yeah, you you can work out on your own as much as you want. Just basically what Al Durham has been doing. So yeah. Good for Al. Um, okay, so this last question. We'll see if we can get to all of it here. This is from our buddy Charles. Uh, each of you three are playing two-on-two against each other. Uh, each team plays each other once, okay? Who from the current IU team is your teammate? So we're playing a round-robin two-on-two tournament. We have an IU player as our teammate. He said points are ones and two, score to 21, and win by two to make it take it. And it's he wants us to do it as a draft. I asked him for the draft order. He said, Andy, Ryan, then me. Oh, I'm hoping uh, that wasn't in order of oh, his preference man. of host, but it probably was. Um, so, Andy... I'm you, sure we have basically no time to answer this question either. So I No, actually, we do have. We have like four minutes, so we can actually... Or oh, three and a half right. minutes. We got, we got a little bit of time. Um, so, who are you taking, Andy? Yeah, can, I trade my, can I trade my pick? You can trade your pick if you want to. I don't no, know. you I, go first. Uh, well, I'm going to need somebody who's going to erase a lot of defensive mistakes. So that's that's like, <laughs> that's number one right there. So that makes me feel like like Trace might be a good uh, a, a good person to have to be able to uh, you know block some shots on the on the back end there. I don't know. I guess I'll I guess I'll go with him just out of uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess if I'll, I as I was thinking about it, that's who I was going to go with. Get the best athlete in a two on two game. And, you know, if you have a big guy, then you're going to kind of force everybody else's hand because you got to have someone. Yeah. Not none of us are defending Trace. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to I'm going to go with him. I, I think, like I said, I need uh, I need somebody to erase mistakes defensively after I get blown by by uh, oh, maybe not one of you guys. But if there was anybody else that I got matched <laughs> up with, I would I would assuredly be uh, be wrecked uh, on the court yeah. for sure. Can't wait to well, hear Ryan's scouting report on my first step. If you're gonna take Trace, <laughs> we have to take a big man though, because I'm not guarding Trace. Well, that's uh, that's why that's what I would have done with the first yeah. pick, because you force everybody else's hand. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna take uh, Race Thompson. I'm gonna take Race Thompson. Ooh, defense. I think he can defend, and then he, maybe he can make he can pull Trace out, so I can post up one of you guys, and I'm bigger than you, so than both of you. So uh, that that's what we're doing, because Race can Race can stretch the floor a little bit when he's healthy. Interesting. So. I was gonna go with a big man. I think, I think I'm gonna take. I think I'm gonna take fantasy. I think I'm gonna take fantasy, and just try. I'm, I'm gonna try and play small ball. We're gonna just. We're gonna work. Use speed and shooting to beat you guys. I'll try and body up down low. 
Yeah, good Actually, luck. Actually, man, that's not going to work. Who was that? <laughs> what was, what was that's the, so what was not going to work. What was Dang the it. two Holloway quote after that? Xavier, you see, zip them up. Is that what that is? Yeah. Nah, like, I think you'd have to go, you'd probably have to go Bronk or Justin Smith, I guess. Because yeah, you, you, you got to be able to defend yeah. Trace. That's it. It depended on if he went with 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 a guard, then you could Tennessee, go. With a, I'd have gone with Al Durham. Like it was, you know. It's, yeah. But tr- you take Trace and it's over. It changes the whole. The whole game. <laughs> Chad says, "Ha ha, Jared guarding Trace Jackson Davis." I don't see what's so funny about that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't, I don't know like why that's. Playing. I don't know why that's so ridiculous. You just play his left hand. You make him go right, and uh, you know you've got him. <laughs> Um, okay. Make sure your insurance premiums are up to date. That's all we ask. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know how long I would last in this game. Sadly, I think, uh, well, yeah, well, Jerome Hunter would be a good one, obviously. If he's cleared for contact, then, uh, he, you know, he's tall enough. He might be able to guard him. Jerome would be interesting. Um, okay. We got time for one more question, real quick. Mm. This is from Tom. He says, uh, Justin Smith and Demise Anderson are the only two returning players who were unaffected by injuries during some part of last season. I suspect the pundits and many fans are systematically underestimating the upcoming year's team and its players based on the team's injury riddled performance last year. Am I a, a Pollyanna, B, a Sage, or C, something in between? Discuss. I think we talked about this a little bit. I think maybe it was it in between segments where we talked about how many games would Indiana have won if Rob Fennessey yeah. hadn't been hurt. Yeah. And, you know, we all settled on at least one or two, maybe more. And I think that's important to kind of put into your calculus as you project forward while also, you know, recognizing the two best players from last year's team are gone too. So what do you think, Andy? I mean, how much do you think that that kind of plays into it as you're looking ahead to this year? We got about 30 seconds. I just think based on uh, we've we've talked about this over the course of the offseason of trying not to fall into the trap of of talking ourselves into things. So uh, I'm trying to hold up to my end of that bargain and not not fall into that trap of of really overstating some of that. I do think the injuries were a huge factor, but I don't know. They clearly were. But that coupled with who you lost versus who you gained, I'm not sure that those things all kind of even themselves out to they're going to be dramatically better than what people think. And, and you know, kind of finish toward the upper echelon of the Big Ten as opposed to in the middle of the pack. Yep. That's it. We're done. No more questions. Okay. Um, that's going to do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU basketball again with you next Thursday night. Until then. Take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. And cut. Got so many complaints last time I did After Dark. I'm not doing it anymore. So What? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just, that, you, just you just set the bar so high. That it has nothing to do with it. It's like minute. a 30-point score, you know, going for 21, and then people on the postgame show complain. They're just taking you for granted. Hey, it's like what we did with Yogi his entire senior year. Sometimes you have to sink the easy putts, too, you know? it's. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Hamstrings blowing out everywhere, Joel says. <laughs> Hack a trace. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, no, it, it back. We'd all just be like leaned over like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. It, would, it would very quickly turn into a game of one-on-one with the yeah, IU yeah, players it's, just it's, playing it's, against each other. You guys, you guys, you guys, we'll be fine. You guys go yeah. ahead. I'm just going to be over here spacing the floor. Everything's Ryan, fine. can you walk? <laughs> Check. Here. Take it. Go.
No, 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 no. You picked up your dribble. That's not my fault. Like, <laughs> Put the flask away. We're playing basketball. <clears throat> okay. That was fun. Uh, Andy, are you going to the Crimson Cast thing? Uh, yeah, I am. Uh, yeah, nice. barring something unforeseen, I'll be there. I got a hotel and all that good stuff, so I will Where be you there. Stand. You I and Coach take that. care of each other. Can't, can't give that out. We've already been texting about it, so we're good. Okay. Okay. You, you guys are you're on the buddy system. Yeah. Watch out! Watch out for each other. I don't. There's no other people who know how to host the show. If anything happens to you guys. Yeah. As we know. Yeah. Certain people just won't learn their job. Ah. <laughs> all right. Okay, I, we'll go get something to eat. I'm starving. Nice Later, guys. Report to do. All right, everybody. We will. Uh, are you guys what uh, next week? I think I'm good for next week, Andy. I may. I think the last week in August, I have preschool orientation on Thursday night. Why they schedule these things on Thursday night, I don't know. So I, hopefully, you're available that one. Why you're still going to preschool is perhaps the real question. But that's I am committed serious. to learning. <laughs> Going you're like back Billy to the Mattis. basics. Yeah. You're like Billy Madison. They realized you didn't graduate. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, he's got a college degree, but he's got to go back and do the other stuff first. Yeah. This will be fine. Uh, yeah, I should be. Um, I should be good. Let me look and see. Uh, I guess she'd probably be dead by then. But yeah, my uh, Hannah's running cross country for the middle school. So I'm trying to uh, keep in mind when meets for that would be. But yeah, just let me know when it gets closer. But I should be okay. I, I will. I should be able to be on next week. I think barring anything out of the ordinary, I think we're going to have a lot of people at the house, but I think I can still, uh, I can still get on. All right, cool. Beautiful. Hopefully we get uh, something else fun. Some more fun news. If not, I've got a show prepped that I, I prepped for like a few weeks ago, talking about offensive stuff that we can get to. We'll do it one of these weeks. You know, you know and what actually someday, and we forgot to do it this off season is the IU, tri- the IU basketball trivia episode. We always talked about that, like getting everybody a little whiteboard to write on. And, oh yeah. That would be fun. Me preparing a ton of questions and we could even do it with all, with four of us. You preparing questions. Oh yeah. I'd have, I'd have questions. And then I'd ask you guys the trivia because it was my idea for a show. I want to be the host. Yeah, but your IU history knowledge is like a very small window. You think I don't read books? Is that <laughs> I? You realize before no, I, I don't want to hear the answer to that question. No, honestly, that's fair. <laughs> but you realize that the IU media guide before I was the basketball columnist at. Uh, at the IDS, I read the entire thing back to front and then memorized like all the leaders and all that stuff because I was psycho and thought I needed to know that and probably haven't used it since. I feel like twelve year old me. Where on earth would you ever use that information? That, but I don't, <laughs> but I, know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe one day if I get a radio show. Yeah, you so rarely talk IU basketball. I don't know yeah. how that stuff could ever come. Never come comes handy. up. Somehow yeah. it never comes up. Uh, um. Okay. Well, you know the other thing that we haven't done yet. We usually do it in the off season. We go player by player. I mean, you know, it's kind of our, you know, our season previews, you know, guys' strengths, what they need to improve. So we can always go to those too. Have yeah. they officially announced the extra walk on yet? I have. You're not talking about those. Childress, right? You're talking about the other no, guy? No, no. Was that official? I don't, I don't know. I don't remember his name, but he was in, he was at the lake with him. Okay. Well, it's Cooper Bybee, who's my friend, Allie's brother. You met oh, That's her. Allie's brother? Yeah. Wow. He went to he went to Edgewood. Okay, yeah, we've got inside information. There you go. <laughs> um, has that officially been announced? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I kind of took it for granted that it had, but I don't. 
I don't know if that's just people talking on message boards or if it's actually been announced. I've been told that it was going to happen, but I don't know if Chad what... said it hasn't been announced, but he's in the picks. Yeah. Okay. That's... Well, maybe he's not yet, but supposedly that's going to happen. Chad says for the quiz show, can you use a lifeline and call IU artifacts? I'm just going to text no, that's IU artifacts fair. and Bill Murphy the entire that's time. For the no, you're going to have like know. you're going to have like five seconds on each one, so you're not searching on the internet because I know you, Morris. <laughs> what? You, you're going to be typing it in online and looking it up real no, quick. No, I would play. I would play by the rules. I play All by right. the rules. All right. Uh, yeah. All right. Okay. You guys have a good week, everybody. Yep. Thanks for watching. You too. See you guys next week. Later. Good to see you, Thanks, fellas. You too. you too. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.